So what I would do is I'm, I'm going to treat that headache, like I said, like a symptom, and then I'm going to look into what is causing the headache. So what is causing it? And we'll get more into these, but what's causing it with your diet, with your stress, with your hormone levels? Do you have any dysbiosis going on in your gut? There's just, and, and really, we start with a very detailed intake questionnaire and a detailed symptom questionnaire. And we look at all of the different factors of a person in their health history and everything they need to balance their body in a way they won't get headaches anymore. I'm Dr. Seth Osgood, the founder of Grassroots Functional Medicine. After personally struggling for years upon years with chronic health issues that traditional medicine and pharmaceuticals could not resolve, I finally found relief in true healing through a functional medicine approach. Since then, I've dedicated my life to helping patients around the world transform their health by getting to the root cause of symptoms and restoring their body's natural ability to heal. This experience has shown me that a true state of wellness often requires an integrated approach that brings in multiple disciplines and modalities. In this podcast, I will interview a variety of practitioners and health professionals to educate and empower you on the full spectrum of tools that are available to reclaim your health and vitality. If you are struggling with health challenges and you are not getting the answers or results you feel you deserve, or you simply want to optimize your health and take a proactive approach to wellness, this podcast is for you. And if you like this show and find it helpful, be sure to tell a friend, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. So let's get started. Hi, Dr. Meg. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Grassroots Functional Medicine Podcast. I've been looking forward to our conversation, and I know our listeners have been too. Hi, Seth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to get to connect with you and, and all your listeners. Absolutely. Today's topic is going to be all about headaches and migraines and taking a functional approach to these problems. And before we jump into the main set and, and really go over all of the nitty gritty of headaches and migraines, I'd love to look for the listeners to learn a little bit more about you and your background and what makes you so passionate about working with patients who are suffering from headaches and migraines. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I am a functional medicine practitioner and I see patients in my um, virtual and, and I have an in-person office and a virtual practice. And when I started to, I started to see a pattern actually with particularly my women patients. And I saw so many patients that were coming to me and as in functional medicine, we're digging into all the different root causes, but a common theme that I would see no matter what they were coming for is that in their symptom questionnaire that we would go through, I would notice that they got headaches. And some of these people would be debilitating headaches. And as we were going through, they're saying, oh, I'm weekly, I'm suffering from headaches weekly, daily in a regular pattern and just, and just feeling like that was just a part of their life was who they are. And there was nothing they could do about it rather than taking something for the pain. And so after seeing so many of these patients, I decided I really need to, to look into focus on headaches and migraines because in functionally, we really can do a lot to make a big difference for these people. And there's, they don't need to suffer. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's so great. We, we all see that as with our patients. And I think, like you said, oftentimes it just gets overlooked, but, but they can be debilitating. So for, for those of uh, listeners who really might not be familiar 
we're too familiar with headaches or migraines or what they really mean. Can you just give us a little bit of an, an example of what's the difference? What is the difference between someone who is having a headache and someone who's having a migraine? How would you know which is which? Yeah, so a tension headache is typically a dull band of pain. You'd almost feel like a squeezing. And generally, it's like behind your eyes and your forehead could be at the back of your neck, maybe some from some neck or some jaw tension. And it typically does not have a pattern and would not include things like nausea or vomiting and not as much worsening with physical movement. So you would see, look at a migraine is more of a throbbing, intense, debilitating pain. And you often with the migraines can get those visual auras where it affects, it affects your vision in different ways as part of the headache. The migraines usually last four to 48 hours and sometimes really even up to 72 hours where people can have this debilitating pain. With the migraine, you also see light sensitivity to light, noise, and movement. So that's why often when you have the migraine, you want to be in that dark, quiet room without movement to really get that, the pain to, to settle down. So not a lot of fun. Seventy-two <laughs> hours, I couldn't even imagine. I, I've yes. been blessed in the sense that I haven't had problems with migraines, but I, I know a lot of people who have, and it's just, I could, and it's just, it's got to be so debilitating. And on that note, how big of a problem is it? Like with, with, for these people who are suffering for this or just dredging through the day in, in dealing with it as their norm, what are some of the impacts that it can have on their life? Why are headaches and migraines such a big problem? Yeah, really, it affects your, your quality of life. It affects your productivity, your energy. It affects your work time. Really, there's some studies that are showing that more than 10 million Americans are suffering from migraines. And that actually at 13 to um, $17 billion of our healthcare costs every year go to migraines. <laughs> so it's really astounding. Um, I saw one study that said that it's costing employers $14.5 billion. So really, when you look at those statistics, it's a large part of our population that really just isn't living the quality of life, either from in their personal life or even from a productivity standpoint, as far as for employers, as they could if they were, if they didn't suffer from the migraines. It, it actually, one place I read that it is um, the number one highest cause of disability for people under the age of 50. Wow. So there's some pretty staggering statistics. So that's why Bayer Aspirin is doing so well, huh? Yes. <laughs> it is a billion dollar industry. Yeah, right. It's crazy. That, that is nuts. And, you know, and I mean, and again, I know a lot of people get headaches. You know, we all get headaches on occasion. What are some clues that maybe this is a bigger problem than just the occasional headache? What would someone experience or how often would they experience symptoms to know that, hey, maybe I need to look into this a little bit further or do something about it? Mm -hmm. I think really it would be mostly how frequently and how dramatically it's affecting your life. So if you're having that occasion, we all make just for some reason or another weather changes or anything, wake up with a headache here and there, dehydration, something like that. But if, if you're noticing that interfering with your energy, it's interfering with your quality of life. One way you can actually also look is to see how often you're grabbing for a bottle or you're saying of aspirin or Tylenol or Advil. You know, if, if that's something because you're treating the, the pain, but if you're noticed like, oh, I'm grabbing from that more than once a month, really, then you're having chronic headaches that you're having to treat. And that can lead 
to a whole other array of, of health issues just from taking those medicines on a regular basis. Absolutely. But do you mind talking a little bit more about that? Because I mean, everybody, I think when we see that, I think as Americans, we're all guilty of uh, taking the easy road or needing that quick fix. But there, there are some serious consequences that come with taking a- aspirin or ibuprofen or even Tylenol. Do you mind just touching on a couple of the complications that people would want to watch out for if they are doing these things more often than they should? And again, just to motivate them to, to realize that, hey, this isn't really the answer that we would yeah. want to be ta- using. Sure. Yeah, really. We And sometimes in functional medicine, we use the terms all disease begins in the gut. So, you know, where we see the, a lot of our neurotransmitters, like our serotonin created in the gut, our immune system lines in the gut, that's how we absorb our nutrients. And, and Advil is something that can definitely, you know, cause just some issues with your gut and some dysbiosis and everything. So taking that particularly on a regular basis can cause a whole array of, of gut issues. With Tylenol, we all know you hear about taking too much Tylenol can lead to problems with the liver. So we want to be just, you know, careful on the amount of Tylenol that we're using on a regular basis. So those things are just not something you want to be grabbing for all the time. Absolutely. And again, it might help temporarily, but it's not fixing why, why the problem's there. And that's what we're going to dive into today, which I'm excited about. But can, before we dive into fu- the functional approach and what that looks like, what would a, a typical person experience if they're experiencing headaches or they're experiencing migraines, if they go to their local conventional doctor, what does that journey tend to look like for people? Yes. I like this. Someone told me this analogy and I actually think it's a really good analogy when it applies to headaches. So the analogy is if you take your car to a mechanic and you say, I'm hearing a noise in my car, does the mechanic hand you a pair of earmuffs to cover up the noise and give you back your keys? And and, and I think it's a good analogy when it comes to headaches, because that's basically the way we're treating headaches. We're covering up the symptoms. We're really not looking into what's causing the headache. So hopefully when you go If you're going to go to a conventional provider, hopefully they're going to do testing to rule out any major causes. But beyond that, then they're just going to say, you're a headache sufferer, you're a migraine sufferer here, take some Advil, take some naproxen, that's that whole class called NSAIDs, and then or Tylenol or even a tryptan. And really, you're just covering up the the headache symptom because the headache is a symptom and just masking that or treating that isn't ever going to really take that problem away. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And then it is, like you said, sometimes you want to rule out the big guns before mm-hmm. you know jumping into these things. You want to make sure there's nothing structural or something going on that, that, that needs to be addressed acutely. But, but it, like a lot of times they're just relying on those short term band-aids that just don't get you anywhere and come with side effects too. We yes. sometimes the side effects are worse than the original problem that you're, you're treating, which is never a good time. So what does a functional approach to headaches and migraines look like? How would your approach be different than what they're going to experience from traditional medicine? Yeah. So what I would do is I'm I'm going to treat that headache, like I said, like a symptom, and then I'm going to look into what is causing the headache. So what is causing it? And we'll get more into these, but what's causing it with your diet, with your stress, with your hormone levels? Do you have any dysbiosis going on? In your gut, there's just, and, and really, we start with a very detailed intake questionnaire and a detailed symptom questionnaire. 
And we look at all of the different factors of a person and their health history and everything they have going on right now. And then we look at, and we look, we dig into what are the triggers and finding that for that particular person and then eliminating those triggers in order to help the headache to, to go away. And also we would make sure we also do like nutrient testing and make sure they're getting the correct, and not only taking the triggers out, but getting the optimal nutrients they need to balance their body in a way they won't get headaches anymore. Awesome. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next is what type of testing would be beneficial for someone who's experiencing migraines or headaches? Because I, I think a lot of times people go to their doctor and they may get the $3,000 MRI or, or a CAT scan, but they're only getting really basic blood work. And a lot of people are under the misconception that they're getting a lot of tests done. So the testing that you would do, you mentioned the nutrition profile, but what, what other tests would you incorporate that would help you figure out the root of what's going on? Sure. Yeah, we do. So some of the things in Really, some of this is going to depend on the type of headache each person is getting individual, but I think a really good test to do would be a food sensitivity test because IgG antibodies will create an an immune response, which can create an inflammatory response, which can create a headache. So when you're eating a food that you're sensitive to and you're getting an IgG antibody response that can be a, a contributor. And that's different than the alert. I think when people think of food sensitivities, you think, well, I don't have food allergies and food allergies are an IgG antibody response, which is different than the, the IgG antibody we see in, in a food sensitivity. And the thing about the food sensitivity is that they, you can see symptoms of that 24 hours to even 48 hours later, and they can be nonspecific and headache can be one of those symptoms. So really it, it's sometimes hard for people to pinpoint if they have those sensitivities. And there are common ones that are associated with migraines like gluten and eggs and dairy, peanuts, and actually even sugar can trigger that, you know, that, but we can do testing to see exactly what foods they're sensitive to. And then I, I would say then in addition to that, Hormonal tests will, you know, get into like hormonal migraines, but seeing where balancing their hormones and their cortisol levels and things like that really can help some people dramatically with their headaches. Absolutely. And then a lot of people, what they, I feel like what they do is they type in their symptom or their problem in Google and they want to take a natural approach that they may say, you know, what supplements are good for X, Y, and Z, but, yeah. but there's actually great tests out there to help you figure out what is truly imbalanced or what you're truly deficient in. So you're not just guessing because even with supplements, you don't want to be taking more than you have to. And, uh, and the tests are just so helpful. So I love that. That's, that's awesome. So you talked about this a little bit already, the adrenals and, and the adrenal testing, but how does stress affect headaches? And I think that's probably one of the, the biggest problems that most people are experiencing these days. What is the connection there between headaches or migraines and stress? Yeah, so stress and it, it actually is very, this is something that can be very cyclical for people, I feel, because headaches cause pain and pain is a stressor. <laughs> you can get into that dynamic of having stress on your body simply from having chronic headaches. So we really, and when you get, when you're in that sympathetic nervous system all the time and you're, ha you're having potentially the pain or a stressor on your body, then your cortisol is going to go up, which is our stress hormone. 
And when your cortisol is increased, it can release uh, another hormone called prolactin, which can actually increase your pain sensitivity and increase the severity of your headache. So we can get, people can get in this cycle of stress and headaches. And so we need to work on getting that cortisol down, which I guess, again, we said when you're seeing a functional practitioner, you actually can get tested. Sometimes I would say, I hesitate for people exactly what you're saying, like Googling things that, cause I, people come into me with, I'm taking this and this. And really, if we don't know where your cortisol levels are, you can be taking the wrong supplement. You can be taking something that's going to increase your level when, when you need it decreased or you can be taking something that decreases it when really you're at a flat line and need it, your adrenals are burnt out and you need to increase. So sometimes really health testing is ideal for that to get the really appropriate supplements for people. But beyond supplements, doing things like meditation, yoga, journaling, gratitude, even things that you can do to overall reduce your stress load and bring you back into a parasympathetic nervous system can make a really big difference. So you know, anything you can do to deep breathe and calm yourself down really helps. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause in, in, like you said, that sympathetic or fight or flight and that parasympathetic, those are two things people really need to understand and know about because in that parasympathetic, when that is active, that's when your gut is functioning. That's where, where all of the magic happens. And if you're in that fight or flight all the time, your blood flows in your periphery and, and your body thinks you're going to need to run and none of the organs or systems get fed. So it's just, but most people live there. Most people live in that. <laughs> we all do. We're all guilty of it. So you have to be proactive. And I love those tips that you just mentioned with the meditation and the deep breathing. Just, you got to figure out what works for you and you got to be consistent with it because everybody's got a different tool in their toolbox that's going to work and it's not going to be the same for everybody. Yes, absolutely. So what... We talked a little bit about the IgG response and the fact that foods can absolutely affect headaches and migraines. Sometimes we hear a lot about migraine-specific headaches. Do you, you know, is that something you, or I'm sorry, migraine-specific diets for, for different problems or different headaches, do you typically implement those in your practice or you take it on an individual basis based on testing? What would be your general or initial dietary recommendations for someone who's struggling with a migraine per se? Yeah. So we do know, as you're saying, that certain foods, there is data supporting that certain foods do tend to trigger migraines. So I, I would get, so I guess when I see people, we do that, we do the food sensitivity, we look at them, but some of the foods that I do give them information about are histamine foods. That would be things like aged cheeses, fermented foods, those can, there's data supporting that his, high histamine foods, tyramine containing foods are, are linked to migraines, which would be like aged or cured foods. Then we have a lot of people with migraines have sensitivities to nitrates, salicylates, or sulfites. And so we can look at those food groups and see if people have sensitivities to any of those foods. MSG is in, I, I tell everyone that comes to me, we'll go through your pantry and look at anything that has MSG or high fruit jokes, corn syrup, and just throw it away. <laughs> so, <laughs> we don't want any of it. So <laughs> that, that's how we start. But no, I think just looking at those labels and stuff and so many hidden, it's hidden in so many processed foods people don't even know about. But 
So yes, there are definitely another trigger is aspartame, which is found in diet sodas. And, and some people even can have sensitivities to certain artificial like coloring and, and flavoring. So it's really just about that investigative work for some people. And it's not always just one food, but could be a combination of different foods. Yeah. So it's real easy to figure out, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm making it sound hard, but no, 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 it is. But it's detective work. And, and really, I can do this. There's, it's, if you just, if you take the time and spend and give it long enough, I think that's sometimes people say, I went gluten-free and I didn't feel a difference. Well, if you go gluten-free for a week, you're probably not going to feel much of, maybe not right. feel much of a difference. Right. But I think you just also need to try some of the things and give it some time to, yeah. to see. And uh, I didn't mean to be a smart aleck, but I just, I think sometimes people think they listen to this and they're like, oh my gosh. And I see it every day. They're like, what am I going to eat? This is why it's so important though, to work with somebody who can give you the strategies and the resources to be successful because um, it, it is a little challenging to do on your own and, and you want to you have a system set up to where you can get to the chase as quick as possible and you're not just floundering trying to do it on your own. It's because it, it, it seems, it always seems harder than it really is. I, I feel like with nutrition and once you actually dive in and you have the right resources, it, it's pretty straightforward. And then when you start reaping the benefits, it's, it's makes every effort completely worth it. But that's awesome. So yeah. th that's really helpful because there is, there's a lot of different things to think about just around nutrition. And the other problem that sometimes I see people make is they, they cut out everything and then they're not eating anything from a dietary table. They're not getting any nutrition in. and that can be just as problematic. You just got to be, you got to be very careful. Now, I just wanted to circle back. You mentioned some of the, how important nutrients are when it comes to headaches and migraines. What are some of the key nutrient deficiencies that you see in your practice that could cause problems with headaches? Yeah. Well, so the number one is, is magnesium. So I think that if you're going to look for one nutrient that you want to supplement with, or really try to focus in on your diet that is associated with headaches is magnesium. And, and a lot of people are actually low in magnesium because it is, some of it has eroded from our soil. So the magnesium content in our soil isn't what it used to be. So that's actually, I'm, do you see that common in your practice, the magnesium deficiency? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that would be something really good to start with. And I also see a lot of success with riboflavin um, and CoQ10, and those are important. And, for your mitochondrial health and making cellular energy. So those are they're probably the top three I see with people that in migraines that really have some of need those nutrients, particularly if you're taking any sort of statin medication, you're depleted in CoQ10. So that's one that's just good in general to take if you're taking a statin medication. And just for our, our listeners, what is riboflavin? Is it B2, vitamin. There you go. So that is because that's, so there's a lot and there's a million different Bs, yeah. right? So sometimes the people will go to their doctor to check their vitamins. And if they're lucky, they'll get a, maybe a B12 level, which in serum is a marginal at best. And it, but there's a lot of other Bs. You've got B2, B6, B9, all of these different Bs need to be assessed and evaluated. So what would be, you know, but like mag, back to magnesium, because it's such an important nutrient or more important mineral, what? that's something that they can get checked from their PCP, 
what what, what mm-hmm. test would you recommend someone get to get the best assessment of magnesium if someone wanted to bring this to their doctor? Yeah, so you want to get a, a red blood cell magnesium. So you want to see it's actually, so if you get a, just a serum magnesium level, that can be uh, more affected by the magnesium that you've eaten recently. So you want to get a better picture. You just want to get the, a red blood cell magnesium level. And you want that level to be at least in the upper third of the reference range. So you've probably talked before about the difference between functional ranges and reference ranges. So even if you come back potentially and it says, oh, you're within the reference range, so that doesn't mean that you're optimal for where we want you to be to have optimal health. So you want to that more really in the upper third of that reference range when it comes back. Absolutely. That's perfect. And one of the things that I know we see people run into with their primary sometimes is they'll say, well, we're not sure if your insurance is going to cover this, so we're not going to order it. I, I think it's really important for people to make their own decisions about what they want to invest in and what they don't want to invest in. And make sure you're very clear with your doctor. If this is if you have headaches or you have migraines or you have some other symptom that could be related to nutrient deficiency and you want to do that test, tell them you want to do the test. And oftentimes, you know, if, if you take the responsibility of them, they'll still order it. But this is your health. Don't let people dictate what is important to you as far as how you, you spend your money or how you invest your money. I just see that all the time. We're like, oh, the doctor wouldn't order it because they said it it would cost too much or insurance is going to cover it. And so then they suffer for another six months until they go somewhere else and get the lab assessed. And it's just so frustrating. But I love that red blood cell, magnesium. And that looks at what is an average over three months, essentially. So that's great. And uh, and then yeah, CoQ10. I mean, you can look at all of these nutrients, even, even blood or in different testing. What just... For our listeners, what tests do you typically use to look at nutrition? Do you use organic acid testing or anything specific? Mm-hmm. I do. I use the, the, I do use an organic test, a, an organic acid test. And I also sometimes will run a, just a micronutrient test to look at yeah. the, the red blood cells, nutrient levels. Awesome. Excuse me, the white blood cell nutrient Yes, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> There's just so many great tests out there that can really take a lot of the guesswork out of it. Yeah. Um, and those are so, great because you can see all those are with those tests, those functional tests, you see a whole range. So it's really, I think, exciting for some of my patients to see exactly when they see, oh, wow, this is exactly where I need to, to be supplemented. I'm not guessing for any of these levels. I know. And it's exciting for us when we get it back and we're like, you've been suffering for this many years. And look, it's as simple as this. And a lot of times it's just so rewarding to see that. And I, I know what you're saying. It's just, you see their eyes light up. Oh, finally, yes. it makes sense. But so we talked about stress. We talked about food. What about environmental triggers? Because I know that there is a variety of things in the environment that can sometimes influence headaches or migraines. Do you mind touching on a few of the more common ones? Yeah, sure. Well, so there are some studies showing higher levels you can often see in people with migraines when you do some heavy metal testing that there are higher levels of cadmium or lead if you're if you're digging with someone i again think this is more like working with someone and you're working with a practitioner it's worth it to look into do a heavy metal test too i guess that's one i didn't mention earlier to see if you have any toxins that your body's holding on to 
And really the, an interesting thing about lead is it's since it's stored in the bone, sometimes you can have lead to toxicity that you're not actually experiencing any symptoms until you get older and you start getting some of that bone breakdown. And then some of those present them and you're starting to come out and get some more of those symptoms. So, you know, that's, there is some association there with general allergies. I do see less migraine headaches, but more of the tension headaches. And I see that congestion related headache. And one thing that's really helpful for a lot of my patients that have that is putting an air filter in their bedroom. So I do recommend any patients that have any allergies or environmental issues to just get an air filter. If you can't get it in every room of your house, because that cost can add up, just at least put it in your bedroom so it's there whenever you're sleeping every night. Awesome. Is there anything particular that people want to keep in mind when they're buying an air filter? I know there's a million of them out there, but typically... The more you spend, the better it is really, right? Yeah. And some of them are getting up there these days. Yeah. They're good. They're good. Yeah. Man. <laughs> they are. Yeah. I guess I actually, so I have, it's interesting. So I have some patients, like you're saying, that will even start with the entry level right. to say, okay, I'm going to start here. I'm going to get like a filtrate air filter, something that's more of a lower reasonable price. And then they'll actually come back to me and say, I think that's making a difference where we, I think I want to go with, with the better filter. Right. So then yeah. we talk there and then they, because they start to see, oh, okay. I'm not as congested in the morning. Oh, I, like things start improving for them. So I have that. <laughs> that's interesting. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What about mold? Do you see a lot of issues with mold causing headaches or migraines? Have you come across that? Yeah, it's a, it is a possible, it's another thing to rule out for sure to have mold toxicity. So it's something that's part of that digging process whenever we're looking into things and you can do testing. We can do testing for everything. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. Under go crazy and grow it. That's how it's helpful. Yes. It's great. Then you, you look into the, is that a factor? Do you have house, an older house? Do you, have you seen mold? Have you had any flooding in your house? Any of those things that need to be, or, or your workplace. One other thing that yeah. also is, do you have different symptoms w depending on where you are too? So sometimes people will say to me, I feel bad in my house, but we went to the beach and I felt wonderful all week. And then, and that would be a trigger for me to look into, okay, so what, now you're also on vacation, but if that's regularly happening when you're in different places, what's happening in your environment that's changing, that's making you feel better in other places? other places where you may not be in as much exposure, but then we need to clear the mold out too. So absolutely not. That's a great suggestion. So let's talk a little bit about hormones. Cause we know that uh, that is definitely a problem for a lot of yeah. women, especially who are struggling with, with headaches or migraines. Can you talk, just talk to us a little bit about why hormones or how hormones affect headaches and migraines? Yeah, sure. So the most common challenge with hormonal headaches is rapidly dropping hormone, changing hormones or estrogen dominance. And so often you see women get hormones like right before their period. And that's because in the last week of that, of your cycle, your progesterone has peaked and begins to fall off aggressively and your estrogen will drop too, but maybe not as aggressively as the progesterone. So you tend women at that point tend to have the most experience of estrogen dominance. 
And so when you have an estrogen dominance, that can cause increase your inflammation mediator, mediators called prostaglandins and headaches are a common symptom of the surge of prostaglandins. So we really want to work with women on getting those estrogen levels down. And even if you don't have high excess, like levels of estrogen, if you're having high estrogen in relation to your progesterone, you can still have those estrogen dominant symptoms. You can do, there's, you know, search xenoestrogen on the computer, on Google, and you can look at the whole list in your beauty products, in your home, the plastic drinks you're drinking out. Those can all have products in them that are increasing your levels of estrogen. So we want to be able to clear that estrogen out of your body. And we want to just decrease your overall estrogen load. Absolutely. That's great. And so if, if women are experiencing headaches after ovulation or on the backside of their cycle, when that, that progesterone, you know, starts to change, then that, that could be a red flag for them that, Hey, mm-hmm. maybe my headaches are hormone related. Is that- absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So and what do probably, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, you. Pro- I don't know in your practice, but you probably also like me. And you do see those women that are like every month, two days before my period, I get that standard headache. All the time. And it, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's they're... great though. It's great. What's, because that the, what's nice about the, that classic presentation is they often find relief pretty quickly mm-hmm. when you put in the right treatment strategies to get them better. Or like you said, to, to help either increase their progesterone or, or reduce the estrogen. So on that note, what, what are some strategies that, that people can implement to help if they are experiencing estrogen dominance to help lower that burden? Yeah. So you do want hormones that like I think I've had said with, with cortisol, you do want particularly with hormones to test, not guess, because, you know, doing anything that moves hormones can cause different imbalances. We want to do things that when we test those hormones, we can look at different ways to help clear estrogen, to help to build progesterone. But I, I think just in your everyday life, really focusing on getting rid of any estrogen levels that come from the outside of your body is really helpful because we are getting bombarded with those all the time. So like I said, things like the BPA and the plastic and the, the Roundup that's even sprayed on our food and different things that have estrogen in them that we're getting exogenously out of from outside of our body to really try to bring that load down. There are also some studies with vitamin E in hormonal headaches and, you know, help that can, that has some, so shown some data to help with hormonal headaches. You just, vitamin E is a fat soluble vitamin. So you do have to just be careful really getting sunflower seeds, almonds, and spinach are good food sources. So though just maybe some of those foods too, just adding in your diet that could maybe help you a little bit. Awesome. That's great. And do, when you're dealing with hormonal headaches, sometimes do you use hormones at, at sometimes like bioidentical hormones to balance things out? Or have you had to do that? I generally, I know there's different, I generally don't use bioidentical hormones, but I, there's so many different, I, I don't have anything Wait. against those. I know there's so many different thoughts. Generally, the people, my patients want to do it natural way. So we do it more through, you know, supplementation that, that helps, that helps the methylation or helps get it, the hormones cleared down the right pathways and in balance. Absolutely. And I think that I agree. That's usually 
effective to where you can get rid of the problem without having to go to that run. And one, one thing I have seen though, too, just for people to keep in mind is the headaches start after they get on hormone therapy. Exactly. Yeah. And that's an actually another factor is taking that hormone again, cause the headache in itself. I, especially with, we've seen it with pellets and things like that, where it's, it's in and they're, they're there for three months and then they've got a pretty bad headache for a while. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's different, but that's where you have to, like you said, work with someone to do the right testing and then, but start with the basics. I, I love that. That's great. Great. Do you, I was just wondering if you could share with us maybe a patient story, someone who came into your practice, who was struggling with a headache or migraine, and just walk us through their journey of what that looked like and maybe tell us a little bit about where they ended up or how they're doing today. Yeah, sure. And I have, I, I see so many, so many of these all the time, but <laughs> I did have some, I guess, just in mind that she came to me and she was taking she was to the point where she was actually on Topamax daily for her migraines and still getting breakthrough migraines. She had little children and was still getting breakthrough migraines that were wiping her out for, like we were saying, probably 72 hours where she wasn't able to care for her children. And then on the Topamax, she was also just exhausted all the time and feeling constant side effects from that. We just started like piece by piece. And I'd like to say it's like peeling the layers of the onion back start with one thing and move to the next and and we work through food sensitivities we work through her personal triggers we did gut evaluations and cleared all the dysbiosis and, and hormone balancing and, and she and then gave her the correct nutrients and she ended up not only being able to get off the topamax daily but she is headache free so you can really wow. see when you're on a daily medication and still suffering through the breakthrough to a point where you're, you're not, you're just like, I have more energy. I feel, I feel better. She can live her life and she's not getting those breakthrough headaches at all. And, and not feeling like the daily exhaustion of everything. And so just seeing that pat, that's a pretty common pattern that I can see in a lot of my women patients, every patient, but particularly I feel like the headaches are higher for women. Absolutely. Yeah. It can be debilitating. That's a great story. And Again, it changed her life, right? And I mm -hmm. couldn't imagine how grateful she must be for not only being off the medication, but just being able to enjoy life without having yeah. ruin her days. That's awesome. I really, this has just been so amazing and I appreciate, you know, you letting me pick your brain and appreciate you educating the community on all about headaches and migraines. But before we get off, one of the things I always like to ask people is what is one health tip that, uh, you know, people can implement in their life. That's pretty easy, uh, to do that can help them improve their state of wellness. And what would be the one health tip you would recommend to people? It doesn't have to be related to headaches or migraines. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I would say seeing food as information. I think we all have such strong rooted relationships with foods. I, I know people use food as comfort or food as reward or food and in so many different ways. But if you can really take, shift your perspective and see food as information and listen to your body as to how it feels when you eat certain things and really look at that and be aware and, and think of, okay, food is my nutrients and it's information that my body is responding to. It shifts the way you eat and the way you see food. And I think it can just make a huge impact on the way people feel.
That is great advice. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, what, what, I'd love to have you just share a little bit about how people can find you. I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and think, you know what, I've got some headaches. I want to get them figured out. This this lady sounds like she knows what she's talking about. So and how, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you so much. Yes. So uh, my um, website is just www.megmill.com. And I'm on Instagram as Dr. Meg Mill. And I also just have created a actual group where I want to support people because I do feel like this is such a big issue for people and just give them some information and some support. So on Facebook, I have a, a new Facebook group called the Headache Healing Club. So if you just look up Headache Healing Club over on Facebook, you'll find me and we'd love to have you over there and, and give you some more tips and how you can move forward. That's awesome. And I'll be sure we put those in the show notes so people can just click on it and uh, come right to you. Thank you. (laughs) But thank you again so much. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to be with us. And I hope to have you on again soon. Thank you so much, Seth. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'm Dr. Seth Osgood, the founder of Grassroots Functional Medicine. Don't forget, you can join the Grassroots private Facebook group to connect with fellow health seekers and find practical tips to improve your state of wellness. Just search Grassroots Community on Facebook to join. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you're looking for a comprehensive program to reclaim your state of wellness with cutting edge testing, a team of providers to hold you accountable, and a structured plan of action to not only get you well, but to keep you well in the years to come, check out our adaptation programs online at grassrootsfunctionalmedicine.com. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.